All right, so last week we talked about we talked about Abel offering up, matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. But before I want to get into this, I want to repeat what I said last week that I want to make sure that my worship to God is right because evidently, because of Hebrews 11 and four, it's possible for me to get it wrong. And you would say, well, I would never get it wrong. Are you sure? Because you may say then, well, I got peace about it. But let me tell you something. Jonah and Jesus both went to sleep on a stormy sea. One was in relationship with God and one was out of fellowship with God, but they had peace enough to go to sleep. Never let peace be the indicator of your success. Now, the Bible said, let the peace of God rule your heart, Barbaro, but the, the peace of God is where we get a word for umpire. And But an umpire, he only officiates and regulates what the, what the laws is already giving to, 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 to enforce. So this morning, it's possible for us to get it wrong. I'm not saying you're getting it wrong. I'm just saying it's possible. Yep. So dealing with worship or honoring God. So here, here is, I told somebody after church Sunday, sir, here it is. You deserve, you deserve a biblical answer. You don't deserve for me just to spout off something. You deserve a biblical answer. Jesus talking to the woman at the well. John 4 verse 19 says this. You know what she's doing. So she said, she, she's trying to deflect his attention. She's hollering, squirrel, and he's not buying it. So you're a prophet. He talks about her past, and so she brings it up. So you're a prophet. Well, tell me this, Mr. Prophet. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain. Talk about Gerizim. This is where Abraham offered up his son Isaac. But you Jews insist that Jerusalem, Moriah, is the only place for worship, right? Am I right? Am I right? She's letting you know that she, she listened to some Bible tape somewhere. <laughs> Next verse. And he said, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem because you worship guessing in the dark. Now, I know you wear these bracelets that says, what would Jesus do? And when you hear him say stuff like this, it makes you want to take your pocket knife and cut it off. He's stimulating her. He's, 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 he's trying to, he's not trying to win her over. He's just, he's, he's trying to tell her, lady, I'm going to tell you right now, it don't matter if it's in that mountain or that mountain, you're worshiping God in the dark. So this morning, I'm not saying that you're worshiping God in the dark. I'm just saying you may be worshiping God in the dark, but we want to bring it to the light. And the word of God is the lamp and the light. And so we're going to talk about, for the, not this week, well, this week and next week, we're going to, talk, we're going to deal with, with, with Cain. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse four, we talked about Abel last week. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And matter of fact, the end of it says, and, and even though that he's dead, it still speaks today. Whatever Abel did back then is still telling the story today. There is a bigger picture of what's going on here. Remember last week, 
one lamb per person. In Exodus, one lamb per household. In the Old Testament, one lamb per nation. And now then today, one lamb, which is Jesus Christ for the entire world. What Abel is saying and doing here, the picture is getting bigger. It's all about Jesus. That's what this church is about. We're not trying to get big. We're trying to make Jesus bigger in this place. See, so Jude chapter 11, Jude chapter 11, Jude, there's only one verse and one chapter. Jude 11 says this, woe unto them for they have all fallen in the way or the footsteps of Cain. So woe unto them for they have gone in the way or followed the footsteps of Cain. So once again, you're getting two sides. One offers God correctly and one worships God incorrectly. And I'm screaming to you this morning is to the fact of Cain got it wrong. He was the elder brother, but he got it wrong. And he says, woe unto the Jesus, those that went in the way or fall in the way of Cain. So I want to clarify what I said last week because it, you, some of you did not get it. In Genesis chapter four, verse three, it says, in the process of time, it's a Hebrew phrase that means over and over and over and over, time after time after time, year after year after year, event after event after event, occasion after occasion after occasion. The process of time, we told you last week, these boys, Cain and Abel, probably were between 75 and 100 years old. These are not adolescent boys that are trying to figure out worship. These are grown men that have been doing the same thing for between 75 and 100 years. They've been instructed by their father. We talked about this last week. It's hard to take instruction from a guy that blew, that blew it, blew him right out of the garden. It's kind of hard to take instructions from your father if your father was the worst example in the world. Yes. Really is. And it'd been easy, we talked about last week, for Abel to say, Abel, I don't hear anything from you because you're the guy that got kicked me out of the garden. But he was smart enough to submit to his father because his father was giving out the word of God in instructions. There's no perfect person. If you're looking for a perfect person in this church, you, you, you won't find one. If you think there's a perfect church, don't go to it because you'll mess it up. Right. Somebody said, I'm not going over there. There's a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, come on. There's room for one more. Just come on in. So the process of time will tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that what's going on with the acts of worship between Cain and Abel has been going on a long time. So Cain didn't need, he did not need any new instructions Cain did not need any new revelation. He already knew what God required. Hear me. We're living in a world today that says, oh, we need new revelation. You don't need new revelation. You need the one revelation, which is between Genesis and Revelations, and you need to act upon what has already been recorded by God. Amen. He didn't need any new instructions. He already knew what was going on. So we know for a fact, dealing with Cain, Cain become presumptuous. 
One translation of the scripture says, Cain became presumptuous. So Webster's definition of presumption is this, a person, a person's behavior that fails to observe the limits or what is permitted and acceptable. Webster says, there's a person's behavior that fails to observe the limits of what is permitted or acceptable. In plain English, Cain wanted to worship God on his own terms and his own conditions. I'm telling you there's only one way and it's Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you there's only one way to the Father, it's Christ, Him crucified and resurrected the third day. Amen. And after that, I'm telling you there, there's, there is only one way to worship God and we will deal with this next week that He tried to pound it into the woman of Samaria. And He said, lady, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to hurt your feelings. You wouldn't know if God himself was standing on that mountain or that mountain because you don't even know what you're worshiping. You're worshiping in the dark. I, I'm not even going to look at you. But some of us have been programmed that whatever the sinners of God said, whatever the Baptist told us, whatever the Methodist told us, you know what? You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it What if God was standing right on the top of the church pinnacle. That's not really worship. If you really want to worship God, it comes through and only through a relationship of Jesus Christ. And the rest of that stuff is stuff. You're worshiping in the dark. You're hitting and missing. You're shooting up in the air and saying, I hope I hit something. That's not really what this thing is about. We can be accurate. We can be intentional with the things of God. So Genesis chapter four, verse seven goes like this. So now then he's speaking to Cain. The Bible says, you know this verse, that Cain brings an offering to the Lord. We'll deal with this next week. He brings an offering to the Lord. It's not what God required because it was leftovers. Abel brought God his best, firstling, and Cain just brought God the rest. And I'm going to tell you this morning, you may walk out here, but you won't be the first to walk out of here. Shame on you for just barely getting in the door today. Shame on you for dragging your, your pathetic mindset to the house of worship today. Shame on you. Shame on you because you stood out late and stayed out late and stayed up too late and watched television and you barely got here. Shame. God deserves your very, very, very best. Yeah. Not what you just want to bring him. I'm not telling you that I need you to play the piano. It may help, but I'm just telling you, whatever is your very best, bring it to God. Bring it. Laughter, excitement, joy, firm handshake, your full attention because you give it on football games and you give it to soap operas, but I think God deserves more than those temporary things. I'm not telling you to jump up and run around the building. That's not really what this thing, that's worship in the dark. I'm telling you, God deserves your very best. Bring him your very best. Whatever it is. Because if you don't, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get the sad countenance that Cain had, and you're going to look like you're mad at the world. And the Bible said that Cain's countenance fell. I mean, he, had a, he was Mr. the original Mr. Pouty Pants. Oh, good morning. Glad you're here. Well, I'm here. I've had him do this. Well, I'm here. Well, I wish you'd have stayed home. You can take that leftover baloney and take it on, breathe on somebody else. Really? 
You're not doing a God favor showing up with your bad attitude. If you got a bad attitude, just stay home. God deserves your very best. Your joy, your laughter, your consideration. This is why we come here. We don't come here to impress one another. We come here to worship the king. I come here to glorify God. Whether I hit bad notes or not, who cares? God doesn't care. I'm giving him my best. You know how many people in Hollywood is blowing their brains out, they're talented, they're gifted and rich? It's happening every day. So here comes Cain. He's frowning face. And God said, and I, and, I, and I like it, but God said, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's the matter? What's the matter with you? And he wanted to, he wanted to blame his brother and he wanted to blame God. And God said, here's the deal in Genesis. He said, if you do well, don't you, won't you be accepted? He's got this frowny face. He's mad at the world. And I know you come here, you want to blame me. You want to blame the carpet. I mean, okay, I'll take you. But I'm not your problem. You may think I'm your problem. I'm really not the problem. I'm telling you what, your problem may be that six days a week when I'm not around. Oh, you don't really want to hear your full testimony. We can pull the screen down and see what we've been doing all week. Conversations that are made. Boy, I'm glad I can't read it. Somebody said one time, boy, I, don't, I, I wish I could read minds. I'm glad I can't read minds. Aren't you? I may want to jump out there and touch somebody during church. Then pray for healing. So he God says, what's wrong? He said, here's, God said, here's it simple. Your brother, your brother, his sacrifice has been accepted. I accept it. But you've been doing this a long time, Cain. This is not your first go around. You've been doing this for 75, 80 years. What's going on? Well, I just want to do it my way. Well, it won't work. And he said, if you do it right, you'll be excited. But if thou dost not well, sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Verse 7 is viewed in several ways. So I'm going to give you about three. Number one, this is what God's saying to him. He could be saying, you're an idiot. The original Mr. Knucklehead come dragging in, in the door. Number two, God could have told him, I'm sorry I ever put you on planet Earth. <coughs> you're ungrateful and you're unthankful. You're presumptuous, you're rebellious. Can't you ever get it right? God could have told him, Turn or burn. I told you one time, he may got, I mean, we got GPS on the car. We go someplace and, and we'll turn it on. We travel a little bit. We turn it on. And, and aren't you glad? And I do miss turns. Of course, I'll always listen to my wife, of course, but, but you know, but, but she'll say at the next intersection, turn left. Well, I feel like that's a wrong turn and I go past it. Aren't you glad she didn't go, idiot? Aren't you glad she doesn't say, Mr. Know-it-all, you figure it out. You know, she's patient. She said, at the next lock, make a U-turn. Even though you continue to go in the wrong direction, notice they don't start breathing heavy. Now, one time I told her, I said, Sherry, I need this, really. And, and, and she said, I can't help you with that. This artificial intelligence computer, whether it be a man or woman, but I have the woman, so. And she said, I can't help you with that. And I go, and I go, Idiot. She goes, that's not nice. <laughs> What's she said? 
So that's kind of scary within itself. What I'm saying is, is that, that we, as Christians, that sometimes we develop a wrong attitude. Amen. Thank you, Virgil. We get a bad attitude, and we've been doing this a long time. Oh, I gotta go to church. How long is he gonna preach? How long are they gonna sing? And you come dragging in here, frowny face. You look like you just got a worm shot from the vet. I mean, you just. And I'm just so glad God didn't say, I've had enough of you. I put it with you so long. You you are so rebellious. I, 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 I repent the day that I even made you. Verse seven, can be viewed that way. Or verse seven, say, he tells him, if you do well by repenting, you will be able to be free from your anger and jealousy that you're carrying. And if you do not well, by continuing to rebel against my instructions, sin and all of his cousins and kin is crouching at the door of decision, ready to destroy you. Now, some of you know this, but this seems to be the general view of the scripture. So Cain comes to God after, after offering sacrifices for 75 years, 80 years, 90 years. He comes to God and he, and he has this jealousy against his brother. Not that we would ever do that in a church house, but there's jealousy now. And jealousy has a cousin called anger. And now then it's, it's been festering for a while. And so now then it's about to explode. And, and, and so the view of this mostly in, in, in most denominations will tell you, he's giving him a lecture and he says, sin and all of his cousins and all of his kins, Cain, are lying at the door waiting to pounce on you. Now I want to go back and read the scripture again in the King James, Genesis 4 and 7, please. So he said, if you do well, you know that you'll be accepted to worship. But if you don't do well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. It's giving you the idea that sin is crouching at the door, and at any moment, it's going to pounce on you, and he'll have complete rule over you. I'm going to give you the third one, which is the correct one. He tells Cain, he said, if you do well, if you offer up the right sacrifice, which has been required of you, which is a blood sacrifice, if you, you'll be accepted. But if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. The word sin is the Hebrew word kata. Kata is sin offering. Changes everything. He says, I want you to get it right. And I want you to, I want you to be obedient. I don't want you to be presumptuous. I want you to get it right. But here's the deal. If you don't get it right, there's a sin offering that is lying at your feet. 
Now, this verse is also found in Exodus 30, Leviticus 4, Leviticus 6, Leviticus 8, Psalms chapter 40. It always used the term sin, and the correct word is sin offerings. Psalms gets it right. Kata. So my whole life I was taught, I guess, that in this conversation between Cain and Abel, and I'm going to say this slow because maybe you're not processing this yet, but God's telling Cain, you're my son, and I want you to get it right. But if you don't get it right, I'm just going to let the devil take over and have his way with you. I'm going to tell you right now, God will never turn his children over to the enemy. If I want to correct my kids, I don't send it down the neighbor and let the neighbor whip my kids. The Bible said God will correct his own. God will discipline his own. And if you've ever goofed up and God's disciplined you, good. Because that's a sign that you're not a bastard child. That means that God has, has birthed you with his kingdom and he will correct his own, Hebrews chapter 12 says, and 13. So sin offering lies at the door. So now then, when, when, when you go back to this, go back to the verse, let me show you a, a funny word. And unto thee shall be his desire. Whose desire? So the, 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 the denomination I was taught, his desire is the devil's desire or sin's desire. That's not sin's desire. So we have his desire. It's sin's desire versus Abel's desire. So here's the correct one. His able, it's Abel's desire is for you as the older brother and he will acknowledge your leadership and you will rule or be an example to Abel over him if you do well. Now let me put this in perspective for you. God required a blood covenant. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. God instituted the sacrifice of animals when Adam and Eve sinned. He covered them with the skins of animals. Uh, an innocent animal, was blood was shed to cover the, the nakedness of mankind. And it still speaks today. So he's having a conversation with Abel, I mean with Cain, which is the older brother, and he said, here's the deal. I see that you're frustrated. I see that you're angry. You're presumptuous. You're wanting to do your own way. That's a Fleetwood Mac song. But it's not going to work in the biblical kingdom. I want you to do well. I want you to get it. But if you don't get it right, I'm here to tell you that there's a sin offering that is laying at your feet. Where did the sin offering come from? Abel brought it. Abel brought, a, listen, I told David, I was raised in this teaching that Abel brought a lamb and God accepted, but Cain brought the fruit because the ground was cursed. That is nonsense. At the fall of man, everything was cursed. Fruit, sheep, it doesn't matter. Everything began to die. So when I first got in church, somebody, some preacher of my pastor, I mean, you know, I wish he was around. I'd hit him on top of the head. You know, they taught me wrong. Well, Cain just brought the fruit of the ground. It was by his own works. That wasn't the deal. God required 
a blood covenant. And so now Cain wanted to change the rules. And he said, I just want to bring you what I want to bring you. And God said, you think I'm accepting that? And once again, I'm not looking at you, but I'm here to tell you right now. Our stinky attitudes are, are misbehaving. And we bring this here, God, this is what I give you. God said, I'm not taking that. It's like going to a Chinese restaurant and your fortune cookie says, that wasn't chicken. I'm not taking that. And God is saying to this, listen, Abel's desire is for you as the older brother to do well. Abel's not jealous of you. He understands priority and rank. Abel's desire is for you to acknowledge and get it right. And he will surrender to your example. And, and, and you can rule over Abel or you can be the example to Abel, that big brother, if you get it right. And what did Abel do? He didn't have the monopoly on the sheep farm. He just brought in a lamb and he, and he brought it and he laid it at the feet of, of Cain. And he said, here, this is what God requires. There's not a one of us, there's not a one of you in this place that has goofed up. And I would say, well, I'm just going to let you figure it out on your own. You know, my job is to help you get past and out of your funk. Abel says, I love you as a brother. I'm, I'm, I'm helping you get out of this mess. God requires a blood sacrifice. And here, without a price, without a charge, I'm willing to bring you the lamb. It's at your feet. All you got to do is offer it. The sin offering was at the door. The sin offering was at his feet. And it was provided and paid for by his brother, Abel. And Abel said, even if you fail miserably, and you get it wrong. I'm going to bring you a lamb. It's what God wants. And I'm going to set it at your feet. All you got to do is offer it. Yep. Amen. Abel sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Yes. So you may say this morning, well, that sounds a little far-fetched. I understand. And you may say this morning, that sounds a little bit too good to be true. I understand. And you may say, I've never heard it that way. I understand. And maybe you've been in the dark. St. Corinthians 5 and 21. For he, which is Jesus, excuse me, for he, which is God, made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I want you to pay attention because for those that didn't walk out the door, you're going to walk out the door if you're not careful. The faith movement people will teach you that Jesus became a sinner. That God made Jesus become a sinner. That's heresy. For he that knew no sin, Jesus, didn't become a sinner he became a sin offering. Amen. 
When he became sin, even though hamartia is a word to miss the mark, but melos is the word, and melos means it's the, it's the internal part. Melos is a word in the Greek that means something internal. Where we get a word for merimos, it means internal. Jesus did not change anything on the inside. He just carried. He was a vehicle for the sin, but he never was changed on the inside. He was still holy and pure as the Son of God. Jesus never became sin. He became our sin offering. Big difference. So the Holy Lamb of God, the pure Lamb of God, the one that knew no sin, no sin, no guile comes from his mouth, that he became the sin offering. He was the sin offering of Abel. So even if you don't get it right, Jesus Christ is the sin offering. Ephesians 5 and 2. You deserve an answer. So walk in love. As Christ has also loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Jesus is the sin offering. He's the sin offering. And in that sin offering, it produces an aroma. I told this a long time ago, I bought a condemned house on Broadway Place, right over by Hogan's Jiffy Loop. I raised them boys there, it was condemned. Nobody wanted it. Couldn't get the front door of trees, nobody wanted it. I bought it. It was ugly, tore down, beat up, I loved it, I wanted it. And it was a half a block from the original Polo's Mexican food restaurant on the corner. Now there's a real estate people's got ish or something. That used to be the original Polo's restaurant. Uh-huh. And back then, that, that I, I didn't take a salary from the church at all. So we, we lived what Galen made at the courthouse and it wasn't much. And I tell this story while working on that house, that she was, we'd buy some TV dinners, Mexican dinners that come in aluminum foil. You know, I don't think they do it anymore. And I sat on the front porch eating TV dinners, smelling polos. <laughs> really? Have you ever been at Polo's or somewhere in Mexico and you order something cold, like a cold taco and cold enchiladas and somebody behind you order fajitas and they fire that thing up and you go, man, I wish I'd ordered that. A sweet sacrifice was what we refer to as a drink offering, as a wine offering. They pour wine on an offering and, and, and the flames would rise up. And not only would the flames rise up, but it would produce this wonderful aroma. Here's the deal. Only Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made, not only is, 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 is the substitution for our sins, but it produces this wonderful aroma of God in us. Buddha can't do it. Agnosticism can't do it. No other religion can do it. You may be tied to a religion, but only Jesus and his sacrifice for your sins can produce this wonderful aroma that I'm alive in God. 
I'm not being drowned in religion. I'm alive in the aroma of God's sweetness. And you can always be, you can always tell the people that are in love with Jesus. I pick on him, but old brother Don Epler, he's so full of Jesus. He can't even see straight. And I wish I'd have known him 30 years ago because we would never, we would never dismiss church on Sundays. We just, I'd just turn it over to him. So he tells Cain in closing, I want you to get it right. I don't want you to go through life mad or sad or presumptuous or rebellion or angry. I don't want you to do this. I love you. Get it right. There's a lamb that's been provided by your brother laying at your feet. You don't have to pay anything for it. All you have to do is pick it up and accept it and offer it. First John 2 and 1. My little children, these things I write unto you that I don't want you to sin. Has anybody besides me sinned lately? The rest of you are going to go to hell. Anybody besides me has sinned lately? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We missed it somehow. And God said, listen, you belong to me. Don't sin. But if you do, you're out. If you do, I'm throwing you out of the book of life. If you goof up one more time, Miller, and I've said this 38,000 times, but if you goof up one more time, I'm striking your name from heaven's roll. He said, little children, sin not. But if you do, here's the good news, that we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father. We have a lamb, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. God has provided for us a lamb at our feet. And all you have to do is pick him up and say, God, I'm sorry. I offer you an act of worship because of your son, Jesus. Change my heart, put a smile back on my face, put joy back in my steps. I can't change the world but I can sure change the condition, the atmosphere in my life. Little children sin not, but if you do, the good news is we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. I'm so glad, here we, here we go, we close. I'm so glad that God doesn't run out of forgiveness for our lives as his children. Woo! That's better than you responded. Aren't you glad that God didn't say, oh, I ran out of lambs. He's okay. Listen, your brother has got more lambs to bring from the flock than you can send. I'm not advocating, Cain, that you sin and continue in rebellion. I'm just telling you, your brother has brought you a lamb and laid it at your feet free of charge. All you have to do is offer it up. It didn't cost you a thing, Cain. Watch this. Salvation never cost you a penny. It never cost you anything. But someone paid a price. So I'm glad to tell you this morning that, that even though the king was presumptuous and rebellious and full of anger and full of jealousy, 
God was giving him the instructions. All you have to do is just acknowledge it. The Lamb of forgiveness is at your feet. Just pick it up and worship God with it. Now in closing this morning, some of you know this, but, but I, I want you to, because there's a word that's involved here in the Old Testament, it's called atonement. Anybody ever heard this? Kephar, atonement. This is very important and I'm quitting. Atonement. The Hebrew Bible says for the atonement came, for the atonement of your, of your, of your ways, of your sin, atonement. Atonement is a funny word in the Greek, and Jordan's going to spell this out for you. Atonement. Noah's Ark, Kephar. He pitched it, top and bottom. Kephar is atonement. So we divided up atonement, at one moment. The Greek lexicon, the word M-E-T is the word with. So now then atonement means at one with. And biblical definition means because of the blood of Jesus. Now then, we are at one with God. Atonement. What Jesus did at Calvary, he shed his blood. It was more than just blood shedding. What Jesus did at Calvary's cross was atonement. Now then, because of his act at Calvary, we are at one with God. We are His. We are no longer enemies of God. The Apostle Paul said, we once were enemies of Him, but because of the blood of Christ, we are at one atonement with God. And that's the best news I've heard all day. So in English, this is what he says. Robert Albrecht, you belong to me and you're my son. Don't sin. Don't miss the mark. Don't get angry. Don't get hateful. Don't get mean. But hanging around the people you hang around, I'm not talking about Jerry, but hanging around the people you hang around with, you have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus. He didn't tell you to go more, pass out more Bibles. He didn't tell you to go knock on more doors. He didn't say, if you want to get right with me, go paint the church building. He just said, if, if you find yourself missing the mark of the life of God that is not sweet smelling to you anymore, here's the answer. It's not doing more good works. It's going back to the original fundamental principle that is Christ in us. That's what's wrong with some of you. You got this so wrong. You're, you're beating on more doors and you've left your first love, Christ. Don't sin. But if you do, there's a lamb laying at the door. The blood of Christ shed for us. And that's our answer this morning. More than anything, God wants us to be one with him. Father, this morning, every one of us, we all have something in common, not only that we are children of God, sons and daughters, but we live in a world that hates you. We're surrounded by people that hate your laws, hate your ways. 
We work with people that absolutely is rebellious and presumptuous to your divine laws written in your scriptures. And every once in a while we find ourselves as Cain that we, we develop a bad spirit. We, we develop something that seems to set sour in our spiritual stomach and the message that we need to hear over and over again is that God's sacrificial lamb lies at the door. It is only through the life and the legacy of Christ himself that we can once again apply it to our lives and we can find life and laughter and love because it's all found in God. So Father, this morning, if we have sons and daughters that are here today and they found themselves that are hurting and bitter and mean because what society has done to them, we understand. But here's the answer. That I just want to offer up the life of the Lord Jesus to you. And I want it to be a sweet smelling aroma in my life. And Father, I want to be at one with you again. We repent of our sins. We missed the mark. We got off base and we're sorry. I want to leave this place in a better condition than when I came. I refuse to worship in the dark anymore. I refuse to give you my leftovers anymore. You gave me your best. You deserve my best. And that's the way that I want to live the rest of my life. And Father, thank you for every young Cain that comes to this place that I want to be like Abel. I want to provide lambs of information and lambs of love and lambs of instruction. I want to lay it at their feet to help them overcome whatever anger and jealousy, whatever they may be carrying today. That's my responsibility. Jesus paid it all. So this morning, Father, we just honor you with our worship through Christ Jesus. And all the people of God say, amen. amen. If you believe that this morning, stand and give the Lord a praise offering, would you please? Huh? He is worthy today. Communion service, please make your way. Hey, listen, church doctrine never did anything for you. It got you confused. Church theology only made you mad. And I'm telling you this morning, there, there's a place and there's a position that we have got to hold and that's the blood of Christ is our worship, Christ our King. That night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup. This was the last lesson he would ever give on planet Earth. And it was in the back room of a building only to his disciples. 
And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Passover, the unleavened bread. John 6 says that manna fell from heaven and your fathers did eat of the manna, but they did hunger. But I am the bread of life that my father sent down and any man that eat of me will never hunger again. And they took the bread. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the lamb's blood, the lamb's blood that was shed that night. And they would take the lamb's blood and they would place it on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. And when the death angel would come that night, the Abaddon, he would pass over that house. Jesus said, my father now will take my blood in the shape of a cross. And death and all of his destruction will pass over you. And every time you take the cup and every time you take the bread, it will remind you of me. Father, for every son or daughter that we've sinned, we repent. There's a lamb that's been laid at our feet once again. And we just offer the blood of Christ back to our life that we ask for forgiveness, that you would restore our fellowship with you. Bless this cup and bless this bread. And we give you thanks in Christ's wonderful name. Amen.